I do unironically think that Jack and Anna are some of the most harmful people spreading transphobic stuff right now, specifically because they are telling their audience of people who would otherwise be allies that the smart strategy is to throw trans people under the bus, that the smart strategy is to distance yourself from trans people at the time where trans people are most being threatened. And so that to me actually makes them more dangerous than people like Matt Walsh because Matt Walsh, like his followers of unhinged freaks were always gonna be exactly that, right? Like, but Anna and Cenk are actively taking people who would otherwise be supportive and literally sending them to my comments section to harass me, right? How's it going? How are you doing? It's going, it's going great. I'm, I'm doing well. I hope you're doing well. Thanks for the invite. Oh, pleasure to finally have you on the show. Um, a lot of people have, have been requesting that I interview in general, not just related to the fact that you are now, uh, you know, uh, the news of the last couple of weeks, but uh, just in general, people have, have uh, people are big fans and they wanted to see you on the show. Yeah, well, that's fun. It's always fun to be the main character of the internet. I personally love the <laughs> random DMs and YouTube comments and like all that like weird hatred I get. Getting called unhinged on Twitter really, uh, I think, set people off and they, they ran with that. But, you know, that's OK. Maybe I am a little unhinged. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm genuinely I'm so sorry. When I saw that, I was like, what the fuck? How like I obviously we'll get into it. Uh, but that like that blew my mind. I couldn't believe not only was uh, was Jake doing that, but like doing that to like a former employee and and like you know a, a prominent trans employee who's recently in the centerpiece of this culture war talking out against all of this you know that was like i don't know really shitty to see yeah yeah it's pretty wild too like i don't know like i guess like it's kind of a weird feeling but like ultimately i didn't hold too much stake in it like i literally was just spending like the weekend like i you know i was just hanging out with my girlfriend all week long last week and i was Hell like yeah goofing around like shit posting on the internet so like like i don't know <laughs> i kind of like said my piece with the video and yeah. i wasn't gonna dive into it because i kind of figured that they were gonna post through it and i'm like i'm not gonna be part of a back and forth posting through all this i said what i needed to say uh and i'm just gonna be normal about this moving forward and you know the people that heard it that needed to hear it heard it and like the people who don't tolerate people like Jesse Singal or like his defenders or the people who don't want to deal with like people asking like ask just asking questions about hormones for trans youth or trans people in sports um heard it and know what's up and uh you know obviously there's gonna be a bunch of people mad at me for like dividing the left or whatever but like you know actually as a trans woman i'm i'm biased and i, I think that trans people should be equal participants in society and that if that's dividing anybody in any way shape or form uh that's their fault and not mine <laughs> <laughs> but I, I i was told they were just asking questions you know why won't anyone have the debate you know are we not are we not going to allow the marketplace of ideas to determine what civil rights everyone should have isn't, isn't that how this yeah, works yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for um, real though all right. Well, before I before I begin asking you all of the pressing questions and, and demanding the hot tea that everyone on the Internet is is, is so thirsty for, um, do you want to please plug uh, where people can find you? Because I know you're now moving from one, uh, you know, media empire to another. Uh, and how how can you build said media empire? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So Benny.gay on Twitch now, which Hell is yeah. so much easier to say oh, than so Bleep Blomp Ben. Like, yeah. it's so much <laughs> I, I've seen you stumble over it. I've had loosened stumble I've, I've, I've definitely tongue twisted. When you used to raid me back in the day, I was like, oh, hey, nice to see you. Bleep Blomp Blomp Blomp. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm mispronouncing that. <laughs> yeah, I think Benny.gay is a lot easier. <laughs> Benny.gay is awesome. Yeah, I'm very happy um, yeah, and that's where I, I'm at that on uh, Blue Sky as well, which is kind of like my main posting place, which like I get like Blue Sky's not as big. So like technically I have like less followers on Blue Sky, but it just hits different. You know, I was going to say I, I like, agree 100%. Like one one uh, like on a skeet is equal to like a thousand right now on Hitler's Bunker Twitter. You know, like that that whole yeah. like, I, I, I see the numbers, but I'm always I was like, how many people on Blue Sky liked what I said? Oh, neat. Yeah, I feel like validated. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real though, and like honestly, I'm just glad that here people are like here for like my goblin nonsense because like <laughs> straight up, it's wild being being in the top 200 on a social media. Web Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The site is so weird and like, you know. You're in the top 200? Uh, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, That's wild. I'm like, I'm like one of the biggest accounts and it's so trippy because like, you know, I'm like one of like the biggest like horny shit posters on the site, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so... I am like a magnet for like the weirdest people that show up. They'll like see my account right away. It'll be like recommended to them or whatever. And then oh, like, you the AI driving them there. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Cause like I'll get put on people's recommended all the time. So like, I, I, I literally noticed in the past week, I'm like, where did all these like cis men come from? Like all of a sudden <laughs> on blue skies, like, okay, that's the happening. The invite codes are there, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um so at Benny.gay on Blue Sky, uh Benny.gay on Twitch, uh Benny Corollo on YouTube. Uh and that's kind of it. Those are kind of like the things that I'm doing. Um and and those are those those are really the ways ways to find me. So it's kind of like really since I'm done with TYT, I'm just doing more of the same things that I was doing outside of TYT. Uh I guess I should start there then. How, how did you first get involved with TYT? What was your entry point into working on the network? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was through streaming, right? So it was like, I was, had been streaming on Twitch for like a little over a year at that point. Um, and they were doing this like Twitch pitch, like competition thing, like, oh, like pitch a show to like TYT. And at that point, like I hadn't been watching like a ton of TYT's content in a while, but I like low key working at TYT was always like a dream job for me. Right. Cause like I was a bit of a lib, you know, back in the day. And like, I was like, oh yeah, TYT, that's like super great um and then like i kind of like stopped being able to pay attention to them when i like started running like political campaigns and like you know was finishing my master's degree and all those things right um so i kind of like disconnected from a little bit then i started streaming and i i found out tyt is doing the switch bitch thing and i'm like still like oh yeah yo i remember watching like tyt back in like college and stuff and cool like that's that's let's go um 
and uh so i put my like you know little promotion video forward i was like let's heck it go you know tyt this is great um and that's kind of how i got started uh i ended up me and ravana um ended up like winning that competition it was like a tie or whatever um and we we both started our own little twitch exclusives um and uh it was pretty great like i don't know like doing galaxy brain was was pretty wild um which was like the the two-hour show i did on on twitch on their network um that's because like i mean the one thing i will say is that i did have like complete editorial freedom and that was fun so how how did that work did they ask you specifically can you craft a show are you going to pitch it to them or were you basically just like can you come on to this existing show and make it your own uh and how would they direct what you actually could cover or not no it was my show it was there it was literally just like it was like you get the tyt's twitch channel for two hours uh you're a good streamer be a good streamer on our network uh that was basically it and so like i got to cover whatever i wanted to talk about i could like you know i i like once again i was the one building the show i was like doing all the things just like i would do with my own twitch channel and so like it was very much this just um it was very much like a lot of just like complete editorial freedom, which was honestly like really, really great. And that's something that I had even when I was doing like the breakdown videos and stuff like that, where it's, it was just like, yeah, I can cover pretty much whatever topics that I like want to, although that had like its own format. Yeah, of course. Um, how did you find working there? Did you, did you find that it was like, and I don't know what your relationship was. You don't have to tell me like your contracts or anything, but I just mean your relationship with the rest of the network. Like, did you have to, cross-pollinate with other shows do you have to produce for other shows did they ever want you to uh take over for like other positions uh, as they came along that kind of stuff um yeah i mean they never really brought me on to like so like i would guess a lot i, I would guess a lot but they they never really brought me on to like um as like a replacement host or anything like that it was kind of just very much like you know and so like i don't know the because the, there are two segments of what i did basically after galaxy brain got canceled um one is just guest appearances on like the big shows um and then the other was like uh doing like breakdown videos right um breakdown videos are really simple i just had like a small production team they would pitch stories to me i would run with whatever stories i want um and then like send them the videos and like we would chat every once in a while um and then like you know bring being a guest on like the big shows it was just literally just that like show up be a guest have a little chit chat before a little chit chat after and it's just like the hello goodbye that you have like before and after like a show like goes on the air um and like that was kind of like my interactions with like all the tyt folks how did how did you find just the general atmosphere um like welcoming good welcoming for the most part like i'm gonna be real like most of the folks that like work at tyt are like really great people mm-hmm. right that was, like, that was my experience too yeah yeah so like i'm not here to be clear i'm not here to like disparage like all of the random folks that like work at tyt like it's like the overwhelming majority of them they're like fine and dandy people or whatever mm-hmm. and it like to be honest it's kind of hard to get like a complete and total vibe check from somebody that you just like chat with every once in a while like i do have people like that i was like i like producers and whatnot that i would definitely chat a lot more with and uh you know vibe a little bit harder but that's just like humans you know like sometimes Mm -hmm. you just vibe yeah no totally totally yeah i totally agree um so at what point did things like start to turn for you was it around the start of kind of like anna's strange descent or was it before that 
Okay, so there's like a few weird moments and like I kind of like I don't know. I, I kind of noticed like getting invited onto shows less uh, <laughs> on some shows. There are other shows where I was like consistently get invited like all the time, right? Like uh Were you I mean, going you too know, hard? Especially like like I don't know if it was like going too hard, like kind of, like maybe yes and no. I mean like I am one of them evil like Marxist Leninists or whatever. <laughs> uh and so like <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes i got like a disagreement with jank on the air once about like why food should be a public utility right and like um, that's, not, that's not even a spicy tea <laughs> i know like, right we, can, like, we, we, we have the money we can afford to feed everyone on the planet if we wanted to it's like what marxism yeah. <laughs> are you stalin what is this <laughs> yeah no for real though for real like and so wow. i'm like yeah okay i just okay like but, like, I genuinely don't know. I, I'm not, like, a mind reader or whatever. But, like, you know, you notice when you're getting invited onto certain shows less. Um, yeah. And, like, um, and and that's, like, a, that's kind of, like, a thing. And it did a little bit, to be honest, <laughs> coincide with, like, me coming out as trans, being an estrogen for a while. Uh, you know, just to, just to be real, like, low-key. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's, like, all the arguments about abolition and stuff. And, like, but, like, I did my piece. And I'm, like, whatever. Like, this is what it is. Like, there's one moment on the air with Jank where, like, Jank basically gave me, like, three minutes to ask my opinion on, like, like prison abolition. Which was kind of wild because, like, I'm very much a prison abolitionist. But yeah. I have, like, three minutes to explain the story because he was talking about, oh, what about the victims of crime? And, like, low-key, like, straight up, my brother, like, my, my youngest brother was, like, literally murdered right oh, so um, at least like under like the the state law right um if you give somebody fentanyl in minnesota um that count that's murder right there that's a that's a that's a murder thing whether it's knowing or unknowing and uh we we like and so i did like give the story of like no like my brother was like murdered and we found out that it was probably an accident and so our choice was like what press charges and send some kid to jail for the rest of his life like that's like a like straight up prisons are, are torture factories right that's mm -hmm. literally what they are they are just like torture factories um you, you put people in there and you make them miserable for years and years and years it literally ruins their life that would not in a million years bring my brother back right like that, that wouldn't do anything to make my life any better and so but yeah. like i have to like explain that in like three minutes of like hey uh, <laughs> you know, no, like condense these highly charged <laughs> topics that you have a lot of personal experience with directly into like a a soundbite. How do you do it as a soundbite? You know? <laughs> yeah. No. And so, like, you know, but the, so I don't know. It's just kind of stuff like that where it's like pushing back and be like, no, no, mm -hmm. prison abolition is actually pretty cool. And mm -hmm. like, um, like, and that's kind of one of the things that I think like people kind of like struggle with with me sometimes is how normal I am uh as like one of those evil transgender communists um <laughs> where it's like, all no. about. <laughs> yeah yeah and so like but like i don't know i all that is to say i guess i kind of like there was kind of like weird moments where i'm like okay whatever this is a weird like sort of like reactionary take that's just kind of like instinctual but i'm not gonna like sit on it for too long like the real moment that like stressed me out where i'm like okay now i'm actually bugged out about this was like Anna's uh, tweet about like I don't want to be called a birthing person, and it's like okay, cool. 
so we're just gonna do the jk rowling thing huh yeah um, i thought the same <laughs> thing I, I was like no this is the british technique this is like gender critical shit where all of a sudden you got to play defense you know and, and it works it works so good in the uk everyone's constantly just like oh well no no no. It, it's it's not that we're trying to race you as a woman it, it, it's it's that, that there, there's there's more language there's inclusive language it's too late already lost the debate yeah yeah no for real and like at that point like you know, like it's a, and there's so many layers to it, and like that's where like it's it's kind of funny though, because like I ended up like, like I I met a couple of my partners at about the time when that started, so like oh, nice. like our relationships literally have been like months of like me like, okay, at what point is this bad enough that I need to leave, right? Because like <laughs> yeah, I know they kind of act like this was like a all of a sudden decision, which I guess from their perspective it kind of was like. I pushed back a little bit. I sent them some DMs, right? I had a phone call with Jenk, and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? What's going on here? I pushed back on Twitter, all these things. What was um, the response? Like, uh, I, I kind of talked about it in the video, but, like, straight up, no response on Twitter. Like, if I'm, like, saying things on Twitter, like, they're just like, no, I'm not going to engage with that. I'm going to I'm gonna find the very obvious fake trains account on yeah. that some 4chan or and respond yeah. to that one. Yeah. Uh, can't respond to the good faith ones because no. like you know like, that's no but that's so true i saw aaron reed posted this whole thing where it's like can you please explain why organizations like the endocrine society have released statements that say that puberty blockers are completely safe for uh trans children to take they've been given to cis children for decades uh they're fda approved why would you say and like no response no response to the good faith like clearly uh you know she'd put in her homework and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah no seriously and and like just no response for anything like that and so like that was just kind of frustrating i didn't like when i sent anna like a dm and this was over i think i, I sent anna a dm in response to her claiming on the air that trans children or just, there's children children were being given hormone replacement therapy because doctors were afraid of being called transphobic right and i am pretty sure that was when i sent her a dm and was like is that one still do you have up? any evidence of this happening? <laughs> like, do you have is, any evidence of this happening? Did she delete that tweet or is that one still up? I, I don't think. No, I that wasn't that a tweet. One. That was uh, that was on the air, right? So, oh, like, because, so, okay. Yeah. Like, because basically, like, I mean, I'm I'm the trans person that works at TYT, right? At right. that point, I'm the trans yeah. person that works at TYT. Any TYT host that said anything about trans people, it would be clipped and shipped. It would be on, like, not even because I was, I wouldn't ask for it. Like, I wasn't asking to be like, keep an eye on TYT. It's just yeah. like, people are going to be like, hey, Ben, what the hell? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, 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 do, do you feel like that is like othering to, to, to constantly be like, you're supposed to have an opinion on this or you should know about this or you, you should be the one to speak about this? yes and no i don't know i have like weird mixed feelings about it like i have weird mixed feelings about it because on one hand it's like look i'm just a trans person that works at tyt at that point i'm like i'm just a trans person that works at tyt i'm not like you know um i can't control everybody's behavior and it is right. it is i think wrong to put any sort of blame on me for that which i guess maybe uh, you know but that's that's like a whole thing right if a marginalized person is part of some sort of thing and their co-workers are being crummy in one way or another it is just wrong to blame them for their co-workers behavior right but also at the same time i did like seeing what they were up to because to be entirely honest um to a certain extent me being there on the network is to a certain degree a tacit endorsement of the things that they're doing and saying right because my my presence there 
makes it appear as though it is like like this trans friendly like welcoming space and stuff like that and that can be the wrong impression to give sometimes right that's why i decided to leave because i'm like i cannot be affiliated with people that are saying things like this and i want to make it clear that there is a reason why there are not trans people on the air at tyt right like and so that was kind of like the statement that i wanted to make because i it just like that that's just one of those things you know that's just one of those things that like i think really really um was like a big sticking point for me so i did want to see what they were saying because i wanted to see like how far they were going uh and like it was like and that's why it was this long process of like okay where's the line right like where's the line of like this is just getting to the point where they're being harmful to a point where my presence there is no longer positive representation for the trans community that's that's completely fair especially for the way that um like i think anna was given so much good faith throughout this entire process by colleagues friends uh people who respect her in in ways that like you know the criticism that it, everyone just went with extremism or extreme ideology or you all have to it's all or nothing you have to believe all the rules you can't criticize them or have a debate right i if anything it was like these are specific takes very specific takes and specific criticisms of those specific takes and and you keep doubling down and tripling down and now 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 you're talking about fucking jesse singal right uh, of all people someone who at this point has been pretty thoroughly debunked for for repeating once again doubling and tripling down when exposed when called out when when like you know shown to be a grifter that was one of the worst parts of the whole thing i mean that's literally like that's what gave me the energy throughout that video to be entirely honest like straight up Seeing like Anna Kasparian's tweets about like, oh no, I think Jesse Singal isn't transphobic. That was the like, okay, as soon as I wake up in the morning, I'm recording this video and I'm not stepping away from my computer until it's published on YouTube. <laughs> like that was very much like, and I literally spent all morning doing that, like an hour of recording, like four hours of editing. And then I'm like, oh shit, I haven't eaten breakfast yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, totally. You there. know, yeah. Like that's, <laughs> That's what it was because it was like, oh, no. So you're just going after trans kids now at this point. And when she said that she's been listening to Jesse Singal, like, like, or like been reading his Substack or whatever for like a year now, it's like, oh, now I see where this is all coming from. Right. Like, oh, no, no. Now this makes like total perfect sense. Um, and it also makes total perfect sense, like why she wouldn't re reply to the DM that I sent there, like when I was like, "Hey, where'd you get this information?" Because of course, I'm the trans person. I couldn't possibly be any person that has like any field of expertise or like even like knowledge about like hormones or anything like that, you know, and like uh, have like some potential insight about like what is actually going on in the world. Uh <laughs> why? Let's see. This, well, this is one of the things that honestly, like. I, it really bugged me because they, if they had you as a, an accessible member uh, of the staff, why not talk to you, right? Like, why go on the air and spout unscientific nonsense about puberty blockers and stuff like that that only serves the far right when there's clearly someone who knows a lot more about this issue, right? Like, directly accessible to you. I mean, a big part of that is just like the base, because like there's obviously different layers of transphobia, right? There's obviously different layers of transphobia, right? Um, and there's that baseline layer of like, you know, once you're a trans person, that's like the only thing that you are, right? So like 
my four degrees, all of my experience running political campaigns, my experience that I had in the military, which I'm not proud of, but like I think gives me insight about imperialism and all those things, right? Just kind of like vanishes, you know? Uh, it just kind of like vanishes. And then all of a sudden it just turns into, oh no, you're the trans person. And you talk about, you talk about trans stuff. Um, and so there's or, definitely- Or trans like activist. A, is like the, yeah, right I, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those extreme trans rights activists, which is funny because like, I wouldn't even consider myself an activist, right? Like, cause like the thing is, like I've done activist work before, right? I've done like different legislative work. Like I've got like bills passed. I've like done like mutual aid work before, right? I've done like lots of different underground activism. Um, but like low key, I haven't been like involved in stuff like that really since like my brother died. I'm kind of like pulled away and mostly just been like this online person just doing the news, right? And it's so I talk a lot about trans issues because Republicans are like attacking trans people like constantly. Uh, and so you just kind of have to talk about it if you're being a responsible news person uh, mm -hmm. to a certain degree. Um, but uh, I wouldn't call myself an activist in any way, shape or form. I feel like that's claiming a title that I, I really haven't earned, um, you know, at least not in like my recent things that I have done. Um, and so like that's that's kind of like that's kind of just like, I guess, my random aside on like the notion of being like an activist or whatever. But in the eyes of, you know like people like Jank and Anna, like if you're a trans person and you're talking about how, why a genocide against trans people is bad, then by definition, you're a trans rights activist. And like, you know. With extremist <laughs> extremist positions, genocide yeah, bad. Very, yeah, very extreme stuff right here we're talking about, you know. Um, like, how, uh, how how did you feel the uh, the backlash was once once it all happened? Did did TYT reach out to you? Uh, did you? And by the way, if I'm overstepping my bounds in any question, just let me know and and just always feel free to be like, oh, I don't I don't feel comfortable answering that. Like totally, I'll, I'll move beyond it. But yeah, um, I like I didn't receive like any like uh, like. <laughs> I didn't receive any personal response from anybody at TYT that wasn't overtly supportive, right? Is I guess all I will say, right? That's really good. Um, That's really good to hear. Yeah. Very wholesome. Um, yeah, yeah. So obviously, like, Jenk and Anna kind of, like, did this weird thing of, like, on the first day, they were like, oh, I don't hold anything against Benny, you know? Like, but then they kind of also were like, oh, Benny's unhinged. <laughs> and it's like, okay. <laughs> sure dude like you do you man like okay man <laughs> yeah, that like, was, that's right I'm, yeah. that was so wild well i mean to be fair I, he was he was tweeting through it for like two or three days straight or whatever at that point i, I was just like every single time it'd be like the extremists on the right and the extremists on the left are, are the same asking you to be ideologically pure or weird, weird thing. and saying that you were too pure for the network i was like too Pure for the net. The pushback you were getting is so friendly and mild, and it's about basic understanding of the science behind something that is determining healthcare for other people. Like I, you would think at the base levels, you would just like you know be like, oh, okay, well, this is not just like a debate topic like everything else. Like, oh, you know, we got a marketplace of ideas. This one, you know, uh, I don't know. Sorry, I'm rambling. But, no, uh, I I think what set him off was like I did use the word evil, which was pretty much the strongest language that I used in that video. Yeah. And that was in specific reference to uh, that was in specific reference to the things that had been said about 
like healthcare for trans youth and like the doubts, right? That wasn't even like a complete like character judgment on like Jank or Anna. That was literally just, hey, spreading doubts about uh, hormones for trans youth, uh, I think is evil actually. Like straight up, like, like in a sense, I mean, no, it literally it's your, it's advocacy of like the torture of children, right? When yeah. you're, when you're like, no, we know what medical care they need. The medical associate, like all of the big medical organizations, we know exactly what these kids need, right? And uh, I'm going to actively spread doubts about what their medical needs are uh, in order to what? Incentivize people denying health care to children. And like, I think that denying health care to children is something that definitely counts as torture in my book. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's evil to spread doubts about proven science and medical care in a way that harms children. Um, I, so I, I think that's a, a fair assessment of those particular words and things that that, that they were actively not doing. a spicy and take. So, not a spicy take. Yeah, <laughs> but that, and again, that's but that's totally different than than being like you are fundamentally evil fascists and transphobes. Like I, I saw the pushback against you that was coming from people like Ben Burgess now trying to do this game where it's like we probably disagree on two percent of issues. Like I keep saying this, like, you know, why are we throwing away Anna or throwing away TYT and Jink when, when we only disagree on 2% of issues? Like, I, I don't know if there's a magic number to this, but I, I can point towards take now after take now after take now after take now to, again, promoting someone like Jesse Singal of all figures. That is, like, certainly not someone who's like, oh, this is a milk toast fence sitter that we're kind of trying to figure out. This is someone who has his own page on Glad. <laughs> there's, a, there's a Jesse Singal page on Glad, you know? Like, he's a motherfucking transphobe. Yeah. He's a piece of shit. Um, no, for real. And like, we don't disagree on 2% of issues. We, I think in a way we disagree on a hundred percent of issues, right? Especially like, I don't get me started. On ben, like, I kind of like, there's a lot of things that I have to say about Ben Burgess. I've never been a fan of his. I think he's always been kind of like really crummy to be entirely honest. Like, especially, I mean, look, if you want a guy who like, if you want like your archetypal like cishet white guy talking about leftist politics and somehow managing to like avoid any discussion about how marginalized people are treated or need to be centered <laughs> in any type of like leftist movement that's ben burgess for you so if you're like like if you're white and you don't want to acknowledge the existence of marginalized people ben burgess is the perfect guy for you congratulations like <laughs> like, <laughs> like but like no, I think in some – here's the sense in which I think we disagree on 100% of issues in a way, right? Because, like, look, as a trans woman, I know when you think that I'm just a gay man playing dress-up, right? I know, right? Trans women, we know when you think we're just gay men playing dress-up. And, and if that's where you're at, then we disagree on 100% of things because if, like, I'm saying something and you're hearing this as this is a gay man playing dress-up – uh, telling me something, then you have missed 100% of what I'm saying, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, you, you are, you're not understanding who the messenger is. You're not understanding what the message is for. And uh, you, you've entirely missed the point. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, if you're not acknowledging who I am as a person, even if you're outwardly saying the right words, but the way that you're, like, going about talking about things, and that's one of those things with, like, you know, Jank when he was talking about sports, like we talk about trans women in sports and then he would just go with the line, oh, but men and women are different. And it's like, okay, but when that's where your brain jumps to, you're revealing very, very clearly that you just view trans women as men. Like that's what you're saying. Like you don't realize that you're saying that, right? right. 
but like those are the wires that are crossed in your brain and it's coming out in your language pretty clearly right and so you can tell when people are like that and at that point it's like no we just disagree on 100 percent of things because you can't even understand who i am as a person and so what communication even is there at that point um you know can you like you were talking a bit about it on Binder's show yesterday, but I really liked hearing this kind of like overarching thesis of how this is also deeply rooted within. I've always understood the, the patriarchal side of things, but you were talking about the white supremacist angle as well. So if you could elaborate upon that uh, a little bit to give, to give people uh, a little bit of the sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is okay. So white, white supremacists operate on uh narratives right like i mean we all kind of operate on narratives in a lot of different ways but there's a core narrative that is very central to the white supremacist ideology and that is the narrative of sort of the suburban king in their castle right so to speak where you have these uh violent cisgender heterosexual white men whose violence is justified because they use it to protect the sweet innocent and without agency cisgender heterosexual white women and of course the children that they might have who also are completely innocent and without agency um and that's their little bubble but then you ask okay well if these cishet men are protecting women and children who are they protecting them from and then obviously in comes every marginalized person right where they they've like invented this fantasy scenario where they're the king of their castle and women and children are their property that they must protect with violence and their violence is justified because they're protecting their families from those evil marginalized folks whether they be black and brown folks or queer folks or indigenous folks like you name it right um you know they they just create this like otherization right which adds like a whole layer to this because like if you actually really understand the way these things operate, then you actually recognize that black and brown folks like get degendered in a lot of ways and aren't given the same gender status that like cishet white folks are, right? Where like black women are denied agency in the same way that white women are, but at the same time, they're not granted the perceived innocence that white women are, right? White women are granted this like definitional perceived innocence um, that is just not afforded to black women, right? And so, in a lot of ways, under this white supremacist construction, um, they're they're creating completely different gender categories for black and brown folks, right? Same thing with like black men, right? Where like uh, both white men and black men are seen as on some level violent, right? But of course, white men, their violence is deserving and it's protecting. And then all of a sudden, when it's black men, then it's like this whole like hypersexually oh, charged, oh and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, it turns into this whole entire thing right and so like that's why like you know i mean i'm not to open a whole nother can of worms but that's why it's kind of like silly to say that like black men have like male privilege because like honestly in a white supremacist society like black men don't get gendered in the same way as white men do well so where do trans people fit in all of this well trans people are really interesting especially like particularly trans women because we are very much seen as women like that's what like reactionaries don't really want to acknowledge is that they do actually view us as but women it's, at but least it's, when it comes it's to very evident <laughs> it's like <laughs> they give yeah. away the hand a little too hard <laughs> yeah because <laughs> the yeah. misogyny is so ramped up the misogyny yeah. the control the the obsession all of it oh yeah i'm just sitting there I'm like oh my god y'all are obsessed you can see it you're losing your family graham lenehan you you're divorced you're all divorced yeah. this crowder fucking elon musk you're all divorced over this like you've lost your minds sorry literally 
No, because these people, like, they're so unbelievably misogynistic, right? Because, like, and that's why, like, I um, I recommend this basically everywhere I go is Julia Serrano's Whipping Girl. The reason why her book is called Whipping Girl, which, A, by the way, you should read it. It's a fantastic book. And, B, the reason why it's called Whipping Girl is, like, trans women are women that you can hit, right? They're literally, like, women who can be victimized by misogyny without the social constraints of people knowing that misogyny is bad, right? Like, so people at a baseline in society know that it's kind of bad to be misogynistic so you probably shouldn't do it most of the time uh except for when it's a trans woman uh then all of like the social norms of like misogyny being ba bad just goes out the window because of course right uh with trans women uh where we are are denied agency over ourselves uh we are also uh being cast as these like you know sort of predatory at the same time right hypersexualized and as well. so yeah, and hypersexualized as well, because, and that's where it goes into this whole conversation about like femininity in and of itself is something that you're supposed to be ashamed of. Like, quite literally, cis women deal with this all the time, right? Any woman deals with this, which is the fact that you're expected to perform femininity, but you are also expected to be ashamed of having to perform femininity, right? The only reason cis women get to perform femininity without punishment is because they're baby factories for these cisgender men, right? That's how they're perceived under this system, right? Uh, because, of course, how can you be the king of your own castle if you don't have women and children as your property within the castle? Nobody wants to be the king of a castle that's alone, um, you know? And so and it's all kind of wrapped up in this, like, white supremacist narrative. Uh, and so, well... If femininity then isn't like for baby making then here, what's the only other purpose for femininity? Ah, yes, obviously sexuality. Clearly femininity is just something that women perform for the sexual interest of men. That's clearly what femininity has always been, right? And so um, that's why like trans women are like hypersexualized because, um, because if you're a woman, but you can't have babies, well, and, but you want to be feminine, then why else would you want to be feminine other than to just like, you know, uh, attract men and be sexual for men? Uh, and so once again, it, you turn into this object without agency where, you know, uh, if you can't be a baby factory, then obviously you have to be just a sex object. Um, and uh, so all of these things kind of tie together, but there are like, like, and this is like the hyper concentrated form of it, but there are like, more subtler forms where it's like, yeah, trans women are denied agency all the time. That's there's a reason why you'll see like a ton of trans women who literally will have like PhDs, but their primary source of income is from putting out spicy content on the internet. And it's because the very moment you're a trans woman in people's eyes, you have lost all femininity or not femininity. You've lost all agency because femininity is seen as something that's without agency. It's seen as something that is like hypersexual. It's seen as something that um, is unprofessional, right? Um, all of these things, right? All of these things. Like, I mean, cause think about it, like women can wear pantsuits in the workplace and be seen as professional, but uh, could a, could, could a man wear like, like a pencil skirt in the office and be seen as professional? No. Right? No. And I, so, like, you couldn't even wear a kilt. I didn't get away with that, I think, in today's yeah. modern age. Yeah. 
No, that's also yeah. true. Um, like I saw people in chat, they're like, this is blowing my mind. And I was like, yeah, this is actually a really interesting insight because a lot of those concepts, I, I don't think about them uh, in its totality, uh, in, interconnected in the way you just explained it, where all of a sudden, once it is all laid before you, then yes, this all makes sense. And that connects to this, which then connects to this. And then all of a sudden, oh, that paints a much better understanding of why this is so hyper-focused in a lot of ways, right? Especially from the white supremacist angle, which you don't often think of, because I don't think of uh, genderization, especially in specific ways, how it relates to people of different racialized categories. Like, then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, that does also make sense. It, yeah, it clicks. Yeah. I mean, and that's where, like, I kind of, like, like to use what I would call, like, the up the ladder, down the ladder approach to, like, analyzing, like, systems of oppression. Okay. Because you realize... If you look for core narratives and you sort of go up the ladder of like how let's let's go like find like the broadest high level concept of like what is driving the way people are thinking, um, you start to realize because the thing is people who are not avowed white supremacists still believe the king of your own castle lie. Right. There's a ton of people who believe in this like suburban mythology about the nuclear family and how they want to be the king of their own castle. They don't realize that that's something that was intentionally crafted as a white supremacist narrative. So they get all these ideas burrowed in their head that it, they, they kind of operate without realizing in ways that are incredibly racist or misogynistic and things like that, even though they're not saying the things right. They're not saying the slurs. They're not doing the misogyny. Right. They're not sexually harassing their coworkers. They're still engaging in misogyny and thinking misogynistic things, and they have these like sort of subtle patterns. And then you have to ask like, where are these coming from? And like fundamentally, this is why it's so important to understand like like gender as as we understand it in like you know the Western world as a colonial construct, right? Mm -hmm. There are plenty different ways to conceptualize gender outside of colonial constructs, but the way that the majority of people perceive gender and think of gender. Uh, in the United States today is very much uh, part of a colonial construct where there's notions of professionalism that are associated with gender. Um, there's notions of like value and things like that that are associated with gender. And like all of these things like play a role. Um, and it, it becomes like clear as day if you just roll back the clock a little bit um, and look at like colonial states and the way that like, you know, colonized women were treated under these systems and the way that um you know like people were like like especially when it comes to the notion of professionalism professionalism is a colonial construct quite literally professionalism was created as a sort of cultural distinguishing factor between the people who are the colonizers managing the colony and the people who are subject to colonial rule like that quite literally is the origin of professionalism, right, was to create sort of cultural barriers and then institutions around those cultural barriers to make sure that if somebody was coming from a community of people that uh, were colonized, they would have to go through specific institutions of learning that not only would teach them specific skills, but would teach them the most important skill under this system, which is how to behave professionally, right, which really just meant like adopting the language and mindset and things um, of the colonizers. And that like also ties into people like Ben Burgess, for example, who are this like, I'm just being an intellectual. And I think we need to be doing disconnected a from the issues, right? To do a call back to Ben Burgess, like, like when Ben Burgess engages in his particular type of very annoying intellectualism, that yeah. is part of this colonial project as well of like this idea that you need to be disconnected from issues in order to speak on them, right? Like it's just absurd on its face but it is part of the sort of professionalist culture of colonialism. And like, I know that professionalism, we've deviated a little bit from gender, but like, 
it ties in really, really well because like professionalization is a big part of why certain groups of feminists kind of suck so hard is because they've bought into the idea of professionalism. They haven't connected it to colonialism because they haven't connected their construction of gender to colonialism. So they don't realize that professionalism and colonial gender constructs are like intricately linked together. And that when women sort of like started entering the workplace, uh, people started, they started adopting this mindset of professionalism. If you're a particular type of feminist, you adopt this mindset of professionalism, not realizing that it's heavily gendered. And now all of a sudden, like you have these people who get angry at people who embrace like bimbo feminism, right? Who are like, no, I don't want to perform intelligence in the way that men think that I should. I just mm -hmm. am an intelligent person. I also am just gonna be a dumb little slut if I feel like it, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. You know, and and so but they get mad because that's unprofessional and don't right. want to unpack that. And so, like, that's one of those things where these things are all so deeply connected to each other within these like narratives. And you have to go up, find the high level narratives and then go back down to see, OK, now, how is this affecting this particular community? How is this affecting this particular community? And then you can come in with a deeper understanding. And I think that's where like solidarity rests really well is when you do have an understanding of how we, you know, I as like a white trans woman, I'm going to experience oppression in a very different way than like a cisgender black woman would have, even though there's the same white supremacist narrative about gender that is driving both of our oppression. It's going to look different, but it's going to have shared components based on that core narrative. And so that is where it's super, super important in terms of building solidarity and understanding, because then you can actually start tackling these issues at their root. You can actually go after them at their core. And that's one of those things that like to me is just super, super important to understand because um, it's I, I think it's so so critical and it's it's one of the things that you miss when you just kind of look at like a lateral surface level analysis of how are different groups of people are oppressed and it's like yes we need to do that but it's important that we go up to find what are the core narratives that are driving society the the that define people's like baseline assumptions about the world and how do we address those core narratives and challenge them? Um, and because like, like, you know, that's one of the reasons why they get so upset about queer folks, right? That's one of the reasons why like the right wingers get so mad at people like me, like this evil communist polyamorous transgender woman, um, because I don't wanna be a king of my castle, right? I think that femininity is really dope and that's how I'm gonna live my life. So I'm undermining the idea that masculinity is inherently superior. And of course, by not being the king of my own castle and just being this, you know, <laughs> you know, like, you know, polyamorous queer person. I'm also not doing the baby factory thing or the nuclear family thing and right. sort of undermining that central narrative that they depend on. Because once again, you have to give the king their castle in order for them to feel like they need to protect something in order for them to then have their justified violence that they then target towards marginalized people. If the whole nuclear family construct kind of collapses as like everybody should live this ideal, then obviously you have this big problem of like, well, wait, how do we get men to view women and children as property and turn into these violent reactionaries that terrorize marginalized people? It's just right. a lot harder to do that when everybody's having a happy, fun time, uh, you know, like, Fancy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I ask what 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 was uh, your master's in or your degree or degree? Yeah, in, so. my master's degree was in biosecurity and biodefense. And for like like um, those are big fancy words. It's basically like 
imagine public health plus like emergency management is kind of like the vibe right so i, I thought you were gonna say like neocolonialism and you know systems of oppression or something like that <laughs> no my okay. undergraduate degree was in social sciences with a focus on anthropology right okay. like and go. so that's that's where i kind of got my groundwork for a lot of this and then i've spent like a, just a ton of time reading right like um because like i mean this has just been like a hyper fixation for me like learning about all this kind of stuff like mm -hmm. um i love learning about different people around the world i love learning about like little cultural practices i love like you know like because it gives you different ways to like view the world like i don't know it like especially like as a rant like unironically i think some of what i learned about anthropology kind of is the reason why i kept my my dead name right like so i, so I don't really have a dead name which is pretty rare and it's just like reading about the way that different people around the world conceptualize gifts and like gift giving. Mm -hmm. And I, and there were some things that just kind of resonated with me. I was like, oh, damn, that's actually a really cool way to think about gifts. And then I kind of like, you know, then reading about how different people conceptualize names. And I'm like, you know what? Like, cause, and so I got to the point where I was like, I, f I feel like my name was a gift, right? My name was a gift for my mom. And like, I kind of want to keep that. I'm going to tweak it a little bit, right? And, mm -hmm. and go with Benny as the shortening instead of like just Ben or Benjamin. But mm -hmm. like, you know, and so all it is to say, I think there's a great value in learning anthropology. It's a great hyper fixation to have if you're autistic like I am. Uh, and, awesome. you know, yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, I also like, I saw people in the chat having the same experiences as me, where it's just like, it, it's just really neat because I have the same fixation, especially related to queer issues uh, and, you know, self exploration, trying to find out all, about a whole bunch of this stuff. And when you do get hyper fixated on it, you do get to do this connection. Like, and you just helped me with a handful of dots, by the way. But there's, as soon as I learned a new thing, I was like, that explains it. That's why there's a difference in the in the way that we gender people who are racialized. And I never <coughs> thought of it in that way, but that does serve the same kind of construct. You're right. That's cool. That's cool. People are asking for reading recommendations, by the way, based on everything you've been talking about. Okay. Um, the one big recommendation, obviously, Julius Serrano's uh, Whipping Girl. I think that book is very, very good. I also recommend Caliban and the Witch with a big asterisk. Okay. Oh, big okay. asterisk for Caliban and the Witch. The person who wrote it is a turf now. Okay. Oh, no. Which I Should kind I... of saw coming in the book, to be honest. There's a little bit of bioessentialism <laughs> in the book. But it's really, really, I think, important for understanding how, like, how misogyny actually got worse with the rise of industrial capitalism, uh, which a lot of people are kind of surprised to hear that. Like, if you look at, like, gender inequality, like, before capitalism and, like, the feudal era, you realize that the, like, most unequalness that there was was actually among, like, the richest, wealthiest people. And, like, peasants were just kind of peasants. Like, there was still, like, a lot of, like, gender inequality that existed among peasants, but it wasn't nearly as bad as it was under, uh, like, industrial capitalism because, of course, industrial capitalism that we have kind of, like, operates on this popular aristocracy is kind of like how I define the culture, at least as it exists in the United States, where they do sell this idea of, oh, everybody's going to be the king of their own castle. And so a lot of the aristocratic mentalities about like gender and sexuality and things like that were sort of then pushed down onto like regular working class folks. Um, and like you had a lot of women that were forced out of the workplace at the beginning of industrial capitalism. And you had a lot of professionalism, like professionalism being brought in um, like, you know, for like corsetry, for example, corsetry used to traditionally be like women made corsets for women. And it was a specific handcrafted like thing that you make for a person, um, then comes industrial capitalism. All of a sudden women are not allowed to make corsets. 
um they've got to be made in factories mm -hmm. and you might have some women working in those factories but they're going to be designed by men for men for the male gaze and that's when you know you start having women keeling over because the corsets are like breaking their you know, ribs and stuff like that <laughs> uh you know because you let men take over the field same thing with midwifery right mm -hmm. same thing with midwifery right and so like and it kind of talks a little bit about like colonial constructs of gender there was another book that I read that, that talked a lot about it. I wish that I could remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it, it talked a lot about like gender as a colonial construct. I wish I had a good answer. Uh, David Graeber touches on this type of thing a lot. And I think like, it's not like the main course of like any of his books, but it's like, he has got nuggets in there of like um, how like, you know, colonialism and gender kind of like interplay a little bit. And so you you kind of have to like suss it out from like long works, but the works are like worth it regardless like mm -hmm. like genuinely like david graber's works are are just sort of like worth it regardless um uh but yeah so those i guess the two big readings like the caliban of the witch and, and julius ron's whipping girl i added uh whipping girl to my uh my reading list just now because i haven't actually read that sounds awesome um I, one of the last things i wanted to ask you in relation to the uh this this whole saga uh where do you personally see it going i see so many people throwing out there that like Oh, this is a grift. Oh, this is just because she's pivoting. They're going to be signed to Rumble soon. That's what TYT is doing, blah, blah, blah. But to me, it feels more like two people aren't willing to back down and clearly are going down a pathway of their own kind of gender critical whatever. But the rest of the, the, the staff and company are all very, very vocal especially all the other like affiliates and stuff just being like yeah this is this is not me like you know i saw john uh Lodora was just like i 100 support trans rights i think you should have access to purity blockers if you need them i don't support these takes that's like that's it you know i honestly have no idea where they're going and like to be honest like my hot take is like i don't really know if it matters right because yeah, like, like 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 let's ask the big question right let's ask the big question because i know everybody wants to speculate because at a certain point it becomes like a this is lore right how is this season gonna wrap you know what's yeah. what's gonna be the big season finale yeah. and like i get it right i get like seeing the world through that lens like i totally understand. of content yeah um yeah yeah um but ultimately like i kind of don't think that it matters like because here's the thing they are either going to continue to refuse to accept criticism and grow uh and then they will force themselves into a right-wing pocket that they don't want to be in right and like they're they're kind of like because they're they're on a path to like richard dawkinsing or like uh shoot what's that other guy like they're like richard dawkins steven pinker and like what's his face the other like guy Brett, that hangs Brett out Weinstein. sam harris oh, right sam harris, yeah. like yeah, yeah. Are you they're, talking about the, the, like, the horsemen of the apocalypse? So all the, the new atheists turned out to be massive uh, Islamophobic pieces of shit. Now they're all transphobes. It's, it's wild. Yeah, no, yeah. for real. So like, How did that like, they, They're on a path, right? Yeah. They are on a path a journey. that could lead them to that. Divorce. Right? And so they will either, Gray and Linehan, like, be alone and everybody will leave them and they'll be like, what the hell is going on? Why have my wife and kids left me because I can't stop hyperfixating <laughs> on trans people on the internet? <laughs> yeah. Like, or they will have, like, a come-to-Jesus moment and be like, maybe Jesse Singal sucks, <laughs> right? Yes. Like, oh, and, like, and we hope for this. <laughs> See, we stand. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally down with that. That's awesome. Please. <laughs> yeah. I welcome that. Yeah. What, for real for real so i don't know if this is a right-wing grift i don't know if this is just them being too proud to admit that they were wrong about something about something <laughs> i i i have no idea i i genuinely have no idea and you're like, right it, it doesn't honest, matter though 
that the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Because like the, the the damage is being done. I saw the Fox News headline the other day where it's like leftist host says that uh, this causes irreparable harm to do puberty blockers. I'm like, fuck, this is what I knew would happen because what this is what they always do. They 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 take that one quote and then now they use it to pass legislation. It's going to be Jesse Singal of all people. He's been fucking referenced to pass anti-trans legislation before, and it's like, hey, this is not coming from the extreme right. This is not Christian fascist. This is not fucking you know a, a dictator or anything like that. This is. Uh, uh, apparently a writer for the atlantic you know they're pretty progressive what do you think you know yeah 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 no and that's actually like this is like i guess the one big thing that i want to say is like fundamentally right now when it comes to transphobes spreading misinformation and like the level of dangerous uh that they are i do unironically think that jack and anna are some of the most harmful people spreading transphobic stuff right now specifically because they are telling their audience of people who would otherwise be allies that the smart strategy is to throw trans people under the bus, that the smart strategy is to distance yourself from trans people at the time where trans people are most being threatened. And so that, to me, actually makes them more dangerous than people like Matt Walsh, because Matt Walsh, like his followers of unhinged freaks, were always going to be exactly that, right? Like... But Anna and Cenk are actively taking people who would otherwise be supportive and literally sending them to my comments section to harass me, right? Like, not to make it personal, but like, no, like, but that, 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 they're like doing that's it to plenty of trans people. Like, you know what that, I mean? That's like, the activism now. That's what people are now being like, you know what? They're right. Cenk uh, and Anna have done so much for trans people. How dare you? How dare you throw 19 out of 20 good takes under the bus because of the one thing, you know? Yeah, I'm sorry. That sucks. That's brutal. Well, it's yeah. just like, it's what a waste. What a waste of well-to-do lefties who otherwise wouldn't have spent 10 minutes of their day being like, I got to give Benny a piece of my mind. She's so wrong about this. What a traitor you are. You know, like, fuck that noise. You could have been, you could have been, you know, trying to push back against legislation or something. I don't know. Yeah, sucks. for real. And yeah, like, and at the end of the day, look, here's like to everybody in chat. If you don't know about trans people in sports, hormones or something, accept the fact that you're not a doctor or a sports expert and just shut up. And that, that, that's Clean a good PSA. Hey, you know what? I'm going to click that. And then I'll, I'll add like, da, da, da. it'll like have the whole, the more you know thing. I have that. Wait, hold on. I can do that. Yes. Oh, you probably can't see this right now. The more you know is playing on screen, on, on the actual stream. Ah, uh, we did it. <laughs> um, where can people find you? Where can people subscribe to you? Where can people join your Patreon? Where can people get the experience now that they can't get it on TYT? Yeah, yeah. So benny.gay on twitch uh at benny.gay on blue sky patreon.com slash benny four um and i there are other links as well i don't know i have a link tree that you can find <laughs> uh i can't thank you enough for this honestly it was it was not only great hearing the behind the scenes stories but more importantly i really really liked uh your like very very advanced 9000 iq brain powers when it comes to talking about gender theory like i i genuinely learned a lot it was fascinating yeah well i'm I'm glad i can do that it's it's honestly it's genuinely a fun topic uh for me at least so <laughs> everyone go check out benny.gay thank you so much for coming on the the stream do you enjoy the surfs but prefer not to have to use your eyeballs many are saying this well we've got the solution for you it's the surf times in podcast form Available on most major podcasting networks now. 
If you enjoy it, please consider leaving a good review and feedback because it really helps the show out, apparently, and it's free, just like the podcast. Thank you kindly to our Lord and Saviors, Peyton L. Just and Xander Corvus. Without you, we are nothing. And now, a shout-out to our Knights of the Square table. Amazing Flesh, Anna Loves Riley, Adrian McCarthy, DM Rivera, Doug Cady, Everything Important, Hegbard Celine, Izzy Solidarity, La Media Panza, Matthew Scarborough, Multimondi, Nettle, Omni, Peanut Butter Blonde, Political Papi, Quiet185, Rachel K, Riley and Anna, Roller Dragon, Kubi, Cernicus, Spinach Monster, Stellar Vision, Sebastian Demmel, Thomas, Trevbot EXE, Lucidry, Words Greenwood, Cheryl Alvarez, Tony Perkins, Thomas, O'Pecker, Travis McClinton, and Victoria Bell. Thank you so much. And a huge shout out to all the other people who make this entire show possible. Without you, it would not exist. If you can support us, please go to patreon.com slash the surfs, and even $1 can help unlock all of the little goodies and help make this show entirely possible. 